Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of failed efforts, I transformed my marriage, parenting, business, and health in just six months by learning how to repair my nervous system and move trauma out of my body. And now I'm here to help you do the same thing. Get ready to hear inspirational stories and walk away with tangible guidance on how to design your blueprint to your breakthrough life. back with another solo episode. Today, I want to explore why having a fix-it mindset can actually lead to unintended self-sabotage and why curiosity is the secret weapon to break through in any arena of your life. You know, I was originally going to start this podcast with my best friend, Courtney, and we were going to call it Cheers to Curiosity. And that sounds so dumb now when I think of it. I remember telling a friend of mine who's in the podcast industry and like knows what, you know, is up in that world. And I told her, what do you think of this, you know, cheers to curiosity title? She's like, Becky, you're selling yourself so short. She's like, I know the work you do with women. I know their client results. I know what's happening. That is not powerful enough to match what you're bringing to the world. And so I gave some more thought to it. And with a collaboration of all my awesome clients, I think your breakthrough blueprint is way better. But we are going to dive deep into the subject of curiosity today because it's a topic I'm passionate about and I really do embody this. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a very curious person, which is why podcasting has been so fun for me. I just get to learn so much and bring on these guest experts that I want to know things about. And so why not record it for the world to hear and learn alongside me? So, you know, we live in a world where this masculine energy of strategy and solution are glorified and curiosity and compassion are seen as fluffy. You know, truth is we need both like two wings of a plane, but as a society, we're very heavy on the muscle through it, find a way, make a way kind of energy. Whether this attitude is towards yourself, your marriage, your health, business, financial situation, kids, whatever, The whole idea of, I need to fix this and I need to fix it now, can massively backfire in our attempts to heal and leave us emotionally exhausted and resentful toward everyone and everything. So we're going to explore today how curiosity can be the long-lost primal key to unlocking a much faster and more expansive track to healing, even when it goes against all logic. So two barred quotes I love that I'll start us out with that really frame the heart of today's conversation are discovery is recovery and awareness is half the battle. These sayings are cliche, but you know, some things are cliche just because they're really freaking true. With the heart of just becoming conscious today and just becoming curious, discovery is recovery and awareness is half the battle. You just soaking this in, even if you don't go out and put it into practice perfectly, that's fine. We're not trying to build Rome in a day. You're not going to transform overnight, but you even absorbing the information that you're leaning into is planting a seed that I promise will take root as you continue to water and bloom. You know, a quote of my own that I tell my clients is exploration is the basis for transformation. 
In other words, curiosity, you know, this exploration, this curious explorer helmet we put on, this lens that we see our journey through, is what is the foundation to creating lasting change. If you've never seen Disney Pixar's Inside Out, it's so cute. You know, it's this main character girl named Riley, and we get a look inside her head, and there's all these different characters at the control panel inside her head and her brain. And so there's a character called Anger and Sadness and Joy, and they're all fighting over each other. And Joy is constantly trying to kick Sadness out and says, you don't belong here. We need to be happy all the time. And so what we're going to do is, whether you've seen this movie or not, we're going to do our own little brain dump. We're going to go from the inside out. And this might feel scary. You know, there's a friend of my stepdad who would always say, oof, my mind, that's a dangerous neighborhood. I try not to spend too much time around there. So maybe your mind feels like a dangerous neighborhood these days. But if it feels safe for you, just out of curiosity, let's do a little brain dump exercise. I invite you to ask yourself, Who in my mind is fighting over the control panel? Whose voices do I hear in my head? Whose messages are, you know, bouncing around in that brain of mine? Whether those messages are implicit or explicit or from your past or present. Whose voices dance through your mind, take up space from time to time? This can be really hard for some people to think about because this control panel is a part of our subconscious mind. So dictionary pause before we continue this little Disney activity. You've probably heard these terms thrown around a lot. What is conscious? What is subconscious? What is unconscious? So real quick, conscious just defines all the thoughts and actions within our awareness. You know, for example, the beauty and pleasant smell of a red tulip. It's spring right now, so you might hear smell flowers or, you know, (laughs) the opposite. Oh, my allergies are killing me. There's pollen everywhere. I'm... (laughs) smelling this and taking it in and maybe it's not so pleasant but that's all of our conscious awareness subconscious defines all the reactions and automatic actions that we can become aware of if we think about them for example our ability to drive a car you know once we get skilled we stop thinking which gears to use which pedals to press or what mirror to look at Yet you can always become aware of what was done once we think about it. You can go back there and and think deeply about it, but it's more our knee-jerk reactions. We don't have to think consciously about them. The unconscious defines all past events and memories. You know, at times this is totally inaccessible to us, no matter how hard we try to remember to bring things up. For example, the first word we learn to say or how it felt to be able to walk on our own. I I have yet to meet a person who remembers what that was like. So with this brain dump activity, if this activity is challenging for you, it's not your fault. You're not broken. You know, did you know, according to the most current neuroscience we have available, we now know that 95% of our brain activity lies beyond conscious awareness. In other words, 95% of our day-to-day life is going through the motions. It's reacting, not engaging our conscious mind. We actually have very little practice in this conscious arena the older we get. You know, we go through the motions on our drive to work, our morning coffee routine, taking out the trash, feeding the family, checking our phone. It's just things that are patterned into us now, so we don't have to think much about it. 
But when we first learned to drive, that was conscious. We had to think about what we were doing, make sure our hands were at the 10 and the two o'clock. You remember that? But as we age, we really do move through life in this trance-like state the majority of the time because a lot isn't new anymore. A lot becomes mundane and routine and second nature. But my goal for my life and the work that I get to do with my clients is to at least increase the percentage of our conscious awareness, just living the most conscious life I can. In other words, being present, like really being here with all of my five senses. And what I found is living more consciously and presently is like turning everything on into technicolor. And it only enhances our relationships, our livelihood, and our pleasure as we navigate through life. So with this inside-out exercise, it's the subconscious arena we're talking about. This, like, subconscious ecosystem we're trying to observe. It's our life blueprint. Because whatever is written on our subconscious is what's directing our life. Our subconscious is like our control panel. And sometimes that blueprint, that control panel is in complete opposition to what you consciously want. You know, unconscious is always going to be stronger than conscious. So we really have to be intentional and practice this if we want to have what we really want in life match what actions are coming out of this control panel. So quick example, for years I really wanted to be a secure wife who trusted her husband and didn't try to control his life. But my subconscious blueprint had been very deeply ingrained that important men in my life disappear. My dad suddenly died at the age of 57. If you know my story, just out of nowhere, heart attack. And so I was subconsciously constantly driven by this fear I would freak out if my husband didn't text me right back. I'd snoop on his phone to see if he was talking to any other women. I refused to let him go on trips with his guy friends for years. And that's not what I would say. I would say that I'm a trusting wife and I don't control my husband and I, you know, empower him to live his best life. But I was unable to respond in my energy in a way that matched that. Deep down, there was always this fear of abandonment. So if we want our lives, our actual behaviors to match our conscious desires, we've got to look at the subconscious control panel. Got it? So being curious about our own blueprint and who or what is influencing it is where the magic and power in our healing journey begins because this is what's driving all of our actions and reactions and behaviors. I'll give you a real life present day example of who and what's currently influencing the control panel in my subconscious mind. You know, if I were to do this activity, I would put down my husband. He's the one I talk to the most when it comes to decisions about the kids, the finances, my health, my business, my free time. Like his opinion influences my decisions in these areas. I consider how my decisions would impact him and what he might say and how he might feel. Like he's an obvious influence. I put my best friend on that list. Her words of support over the years, the advice she's given me, the example she's lived out for me to witness, all of those influence me and my own navigation of the ups and downs of life. I'd put my mentors, you know, my financial and business coaches, Justin Buonamo and Kelly Brock. 
I've invested big time in their mentorship because I trust their expertise and example and how successful they've been in stewarding their money and leading a community of thriving clients. So when it comes to these areas, I think WWJD or WWKD, like what would Justin or Kelly do? I would say podcasts are a part of that control panel that I've listened to, books that I've read, like words from my mom and dad over the years, just to name a few. And then there's some, I would say, negative influences still up there because, you know, well, after all the work I've done, they hold so much less power, but they still, of course, pop up from time to time. Like that church leader that mentored me years ago who said, my heart was deceitful and I should never trust my emotions. So when I'm in a place of trying to hear my intuition, guess whose voice can pop back up? Or like that one business coach I invested in that told me I wouldn't be successful because I didn't invest in her $36,000 course after I had just dropped 10K already on her 90 days prior. When I decided not to continue working with her, those parting words haunted me for a while. And sometimes when I'm in a state of fear of failure or even success, her words will pop up again. And I will pull the curtain back. I'll be transparent here. I'll, I'll share how this actually came up this week. So this is how my team of subconscious voices surfaced for me. My, my podcast manager this Sunday messaged me and said, Becky, you're in the top 10% of podcasts globally. This is an incredible accomplishment, especially for a newer show. Your show is truly a treasure. We're so happy to be on your team. Enjoy your Sunday. And, you know, these are some of the people that ran through my mind in that moment. I immediately texted my husband to share my shock and joy. And then my best friend, I called my mom. And then I shared with my clients because without them and all of their incredible success and collaboration in this show, none of this would have been possible. But then I had an interesting thought. I thought about that old business coach who said a lot of nasty things, which aren't worth my energy to repeat anymore, but I thought, oh, how satisfying would it be to message her the news that my month-old newborn baby podcast has officially been ranked in the top 10% of podcasts globally. And this, my friends, is where the power of compassionate curiosity can change the game for you. Honestly, old me would have felt guilty for having that thought and judged myself for plotting something so passive aggressive. And old me would have tried to shoo the thought away, pretend like it wasn't there. And as weird as this may sound, old me would have felt shame for even feeling excited about this accomplishment. I would have thought it was prideful or egotistical to be proud of myself. I would have gotten stuck in this low vibe train of thought. And a lot of that comes from old patterning, from well-meaning but extreme teachings I, I've absorbed over the years. I'm still undoing a lot. But I've learned such a better way in the last few years, and it has been pivotal in stepping out of the tangled, messy web of shame, spinning my wheels, and staying stuck for a decade on my healing journey. So instead of judging myself for even having that thought in the first place, I literally talked to myself which is something I used to think only crazy people did. And maybe I'm crazy now, but I've honestly never felt so clear and grounded in my life. But this is literally the conversation I had with myself this week after that thought to prove my old coach wrong crossed my mind. I said to myself with my hand on my heart, oh, interesting. Huh, looks like that wound is still a little fresh. Yeah, 
I think that's what my body is trying to tell me. My body's just trying to protect me right now. Yep, that feels like truth. Truth is being an entrepreneur is hard and it's already tough enough learning how to believe in yourself, let alone have a woman who's been doing this for years longer than you say you, you're destined to fail without her. Of course, that hurt. You know, this is all I'm saying to myself. I was saying it's natural to want to fight back to those who've abused you. That's what your body was instinctually wired to do. It's also so natural to feel proud of yourself. Remember, kids don't apologize for that. There's just a natural outpouring of wanting to share with the people that you love. It's a good thing to wish that the struggles you've survived are actually saying something to other women and saving them time and money and pain by sharing what has helped you. How interesting that you'd feel shame for being so happy about this accomplishment. Must still be some old programming there. That's okay. Makes sense. How amazing that you're noticing. How interesting. I'm proud of you, Becky. Like, legit, that's what I'm saying to myself this week. And it just diffused, you know, the the pressure, the energy that builds up when you start to hear those little gremlins, those little voices in your own control panel start to get loud and yap at you. And this is honestly so different, guys, from how I used to talk to myself If you listened to my episode on shame a few weeks back, you know my inner critic used to be so loud. It was how I survived my stuff. I survived my adulthood by pulling myself up by my bootstraps and muscling through, proving myself, you know, never cracking under pressure, finding a solution where there's a will, there's a way, all that stuff. If you know about the Enneagram personality test, I'm a type one, and that's out of all the nine personality types known to have the loudest inner critic. That inner critic got me through a lot. I accomplished a lot, but I was also so anxious. I literally couldn't breathe. My marriage was failing. I was yelling at my kids daily and drinking one bottle of wine after another just to dull the chaos. Then I began to speak to myself differently. I began to adopt this posture of curiosity towards myself and towards my life. And in time, this is what my husband noticed because it became my new norm. It wasn't a fad. It was a completely non-existent muscle at one point that I ended up flexing, then repping out until I literally rewrote my subconscious blueprint of self-talk. And this was the most liberating thing I'd ever felt in my life. Like, I didn't even realize how mean I had been to myself for so years and how constricting that energy really was. It was just all I knew. But then the bonus on top of this newfound liberation was that my husband also felt something different. And for the first time in our entire relationship, he felt safe with me because I felt safe with me. This paradigm of compassionate curiosity before diving straight into fix-it mode is like a rite of passage that my clients pass through now. And it understandably annoys them just like it did me when I began learning this and leaning into it because... What I tell them, you know, I'm like, before we get to all the sexy stuff, like emotional mastery and intuition, communication and intimacy, that's what they're all dying to deep dive into. I say we have to do some deconstructing. And what I've noticed is the women who have embraced this concept the most, just the practice of compassionate curiosity towards themselves and towards those around them, using that damn phrase, oh, interesting. 
have had the greatest, most sustainable results long-term, even after graduating the program. You know, it's like the bow and arrow effect. The further you pull back, the further you launch forward. You know, nobody wants to deconstruct. You want to just jump into the solutions. But when you do take the time to dismantle what hasn't served you and rebuild a new foundation, yeah, it takes trust. But it's going to launch you forward in a way that you've never even believed was possible for yourself. So this literally can feel like a new way of life, this noticing with compassionate curiosity. And from that place, being able to decide a course of action from a hired, settled space of safety and wisdom rather than from a place of reaction, constriction, and fear. Compassionate curiosity really can be the bridge between the two. You know, it can be what takes you from that sympathetic nervous system, that state of survival and reactivity, into the parasympathetic nervous system, that state of safety and rest that we all want, that we want to des- that we all desire to operate out of. So can we geek out for a minute <laughs> on this? Like what actually happens in our brain when we tap into curiosity? Why is it so powerful yet so underrated? You know, for me, knowing this kind of stuff, just knowing the why can help motivate me to practice it because I get so overwhelmed by the ocean of self-help tips and tricks and hacks. I don't know about you, but just I find myself, I've spent years just wondering which are just nice ideas and which are actually back to work with our physiological design and actually leverage our breakthrough. So I do want to deep dive into the science behind curiosity. First of all, what is it? You know, curiosity by definition is just an eager desire to learn something because you're internally motivated, because you want to know the answer. That's curiosity. There's definitely a difference between curiosity and just information seeking. We've all done information seeking on topics that are of zero interest to us. Like that science project on mosquitoes you had to do in the sixth grade or that 30-page non-plagiarized research paper you had to write on the changing interpretation of mythological Baroque art. Like zero curiosity, but lots of information seeking there. The curiosity is an internal drive. Like, I want to know this. So what happens in our brain when we engage in our own curiosity? What lights us up? First, the parts of the brain that are sensitive to unpleasant conditions actually light up. So it shows that you're a little uncomfortable because there's a realization of, hey, there's something I don't fully understand yet. Then the part of your brain responsible for learning and long-term memory kick into high gear so that you can actually learn and retain what you've learned. Now you're all ready to search for answers. You're all primed. And when you actually begin learning new facts in your curious state, something even more interesting happens. Your reward circuitry kicks in. Dopamine, the brain's reward chemical, that happy chemical that we're all constantly chasing to feel good in life, floods the brain when you satisfy your itch of curiosity. So your brain literally rewards you for being curious and for pursuing that curiosity. When you explore and satisfy your curiosity, you know, it literally makes you feel happier. This reward system increases the likelihood that you'll try and satisfy your curiosity again in the future. Now, there's two kinds of curiosity. The first is called epistemic curiosity. 
this is the thirst to acquire knowledge on a particular topic. It's this drive to just eliminate any information gaps, learn new explicit information. I don't know what it is for you, but for me, I went down this rabbit hole with Harry and Meghan, uh, the monarchy, the British family. I watched the Netflix documentary, then The Crown, then bought the book on, you know, Harry and William. And I looked at all their Instagrams. Like I just went this down this rabbit hole. That's epistemic curiosity. The second type of curiosity you might find yourself expressing is empathic curiosity. This is the drive to know more about what other people think and feel. And according to research, this kind of curiosity is especially pleasurable. And it's when your dopamine releases in high levels. So this is what I want to speak to, the latter type, the power of being curious in our relationships that you know, includes curiosity with ourselves, with our husbands, our children, our relationship with money, our relationship with work, our relationship with our God, our spiritual community, etc. So if you want to pick one just to focus on and filter what I'm about to say through, just to practice this idea on and see how it fits, feel free to pick one relationship. You know, they say curiosity killed the cat. But I stand by the motto that curiosity cures the client. What I found in my 11 years of marriage and three years of dating my husband before that, my decade of observing relationships, holding case studies, coaching clients, and speaking with hundreds of women about their relationship struggles, I've come to one conclusion. Curiosity opens the door to healing. What keeps so many of us stuck for so many years is that we've gone through so much trauma and have become so disillusioned that we enter into the sympathetic nervous system and we get stuck there. This is our survival mode nervous system. When we're triggered, when we're in flight, fight, freeze, or fawn, say that five times fast, you know, certain things can't thrive when you're in this mode. Things like social connection, safety, And guess what else? Curiosity. So in other words, when you go through some crappy-ish, it shuts down your curiosity. Think about children who come into this world in a healthy way. They come in cared for, loved, nurtured, and safe. Those children naturally have so much curiosity. They're constantly looking around, you know, My husband, he always says that when he looks at newborns, they look like they're tripping on LSD. (laughs) I'm like, nice. My mind doesn't go there when I look at babies. (laughs) But he's just like, no, everything's just so magnified and colorful. And they're so interested in everything. They're looking, they're touching, they're tasting their way through the world. Right. And then at some point, we all go through something. And we get a little less curious and a little more disillusioned, hardened jaded, disinterested, and shut off from the world. You know, I remember after my dad died, I had never felt depression that deep in my life. I had no motivation to get out of bed. Waking up felt so daunting. Like from the minute I woke up, it was just this black cloud hanging over my head and I dreaded the day to come. And I went to sleep at night wishing I didn't have to live anymore. I remember eating just to feel something. I remember clearing entire brownie pans by myself in secret to my shame and then later disgust when I looked at myself in the mirror. 
I went from this active social go-getter to having no interest in people or hobbies I once loved. Curiosity felt exhausting. Like I just didn't care. And now I see this was just my body's way of experiencing a reaction to trauma. Big T trauma is characterized by anything too fast, too much, too soon. So my dad had died out of nowhere. He was only 57 years old and had had a heart attack. None of us saw it coming. So this was my body's natural response to an experience that overwhelmed my nervous system's capacity to cope. The only thing that started to heal me was compassionate curiosity. I had a friend who would ask me how I was doing after my dad died, and God bless her. She's so cute. She actually set a reminder in her phone to remind herself to ask me how I'm feeling about my dad. (laughs) So I remember one time we took this religious studies class together, and we were on break, and we were sitting on the couch, and I saw her phone go off, and then I saw her like just look around, like look all around. I'm like, what is she doing? And then she's like, so how are you feeling about your dad? And I just burst out laughing. I was like, did you just set a reminder in your phone to ask me that? And she was like, yeah. I was like, that's so cute. (laughs) But she was just compassionately curious and aware of her own limitations. So she set a reminder to like practice that with me. But that was so powerful for me. There was nobody else I can remember at that time who was remembering to check in on me with this compassionate curiosity of how I was doing. Compassionate curiosity has the power to love people out of their darkness, whether that's you loving your partner or child or friend or just loving yourself. Think of curiosity like that foot you slide through the door before stepping through to the other side. It can just like make a crack the door to slide you through. Like Now, depending on, I want to just say this, how dis- depending on how dysregulated and rattled your nervous system is right now, curiosity may not work for you just yet. Like it may be hard for you to jump from that depressed state to practicing curiosity because you're still so stuck in the sympathetic nervous system. Like you're stuck behind that wall, like you're strapped down, duct tape, tied to a chair. So even if you wanted to slide that foot of curiosity through the door to your healing, you couldn't. And that's where somatic work is such a powerful tool for so many, somatic meaning body, you know, calming your nervous system, going through grounding tools. This can be what breaks you free from that duct tape and loosens the rope so you can get even a little close to the door in the first place. You know, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you might remember me teaching that our body is constantly sending messages up and down, you know, from our brain to our body. And they travels along the vagus nerve, which is like the super highway, the big, the big kahuna nerve in our, in our bodies. And so these neurotransmitters, these messages that are constantly going back and forth, 80% of those messages go from your body to your brain. Only 20% go from your brain to your body. And so if you feel stuck after years of trying to heal by you know, modalities that are focused mostly what are called top down, like using your cerebral capacities. So listening, learning, talking. This is your traditional talk therapy, podcasts, books, venting, you know, researching. It's not that that stuff isn't important, but it is 
like a salmon swimming upstream in a way. Like if you want to work with that 80% of your body, it is important to get into your body to learn how to calm down your nervous system and move trauma out. What you teach your body, that's what's going to send the majority of the messages to your brain. So I want to give an example of this. Um, This week, I had a client come on for her onboarding call. Anyone who joins the program, they get an an immediate one-on-one call with me, a deep dive just to make sure they're oriented and knowing what to expect in the program, ask any questions. This woman showed up. Her mind was busy. It was racing. She said she's been ruminating. Um, She was standing up, shifting back and forth, just that nervous energy that I recognize and relate to so well. And she expressed, you know, I feel like I'm falling behind because I haven't made it past module one yet. And then we started talking about the nervous system and how when you step out of your comfort zone, even if you hate the toxic cycle that you've been in, even if you've been unhappy in your marriage and that's why you're in this program, like you clearly want to grow, your nervous system actually can freak out a bit when you step outside your comfort zone, even if it's towards something good. All your nervous system knows is that this is new, danger, danger. And so it makes total sense that resistance is popping up for you and you feel stuck in moving past module one. And it led to so much empathy and so much realization of she's like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I thought I was just like being bad at this. Or you could see the shame dissolving of like, oh, this is my body like doing what it was designed to do, but I'm actually safe. And she also expressed that she's noticed fear of going to the coaching calls. And so she's just been avoiding them because she's feels like she's not good at articulating her words. So she's like, how am I supposed to make sense to others if it's hard for me to even formulate my thoughts right now? And I told her, you know, that's fascinating. I'm learning so much about you right now. So I'm curious, what would this feel like if you were to, let's say, come on the coaching calls with your camera off just to listen? Because the whole point is you don't want to go too fast, too much, too soon. You're coming into my program to heal from your trauma. Like, let's not re-traumatize you. And so how would that feel? And she said, oh, that would actually feel good. Like she hadn't considered that as an option. And so Just being curious can open up, you know, the highway to so many options of healing. So we ended the call and she was in a completely different energy. She was relaxed. It was like this pressure cooker had released all its steam. She had clarity, you know, a bite-sized goal that she could start with. And she had stepped back onto her path of healing. It was that simple after, you know, weeks of her feeling like there's a roadblock in this stuck energy. Curiosity opened the door and got her right back on track. So this is the energy that will be felt by her husband later. You know, he'll be able to feel a softness. If I could feel the difference through a screen, I know he'll be able to feel that in their home. And the more she practices that, the shift in their dynamic will be inevitable. This calming of our nervous system, the shifting of our subconscious thoughts, our energy towards ourselves is what will end up inviting a complete change in whatever toxic dance you have going on in your relationships. Curiosity can be the crack through which this healing breaks through. So I invite you to try it right now. Think of a situation or a person that's bothering you. And right now, I invite you to place your hand over your heart and just say, huh, interesting. This is bothering me. I'm noticing this really bugs me. 
just stating these non-judgmental, compassionate thoughts, interests towards yourself. And honestly, sometimes that alone will be all you need because at the end of the day, we all just want to be seen and be heard to know that we belong. And when you feel misunderstood, rejected, unnoticed, unappreciated, all of these things, you have the power to let yourself be seen and heard and offer yourself belonging through just noticing yourself and validating what you see. Sometimes we find a solution and sometimes we just learn to dance with what is. I'm going to say that again because I think it really ties up this entire episode. Sometimes we find a solution and sometimes we just learn to dance with what is. You know, solutions are not bad. It lights my soul on fire to watch a woman find solutions to the problems that have been plaguing her marriage for years and decades. But what I'm saying is so many situations that we think need a solution a conversation to work it out, a plan in place, a system, a strategy, are simply just calling for this compassionate curiosity, a simple noticing. And whether that's enough and allows you to simply dance with what is, or this at least opens the door for you to think creatively of a more effective solution from a higher, more conscious place, you will never, ever, ever regret being curious. So for this week, I invite you to pretend like you're a child in the woods. Put on your curious explorer cap and meet your moments, your roadblocks, and your triggers with curiosity, a sense of wonder and interest. And notice if this energy feels more expansive to you than muscling through it, jumping in to fix it, and jumping to conclusions. Open wide the window, my friends, to exploring this life around you, and I promise you can have the world. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I love and appreciate you so much. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating or review to help others find the show. To learn more about working with me or joining the I Do Breakthrough community, head over to my Instagram at Rebecca Lee Aste, where you can learn all about my program in my bio. And please send me a DM with your takeaway from today. I'd be honored to connect and know what landed for you. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll chat with you next week. Bye.